Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. I pray you all are having a restful Shabbat. And those of you that were on Shabbat Fellowship this morning, good reports abound. Blessings unto you all. All of you in the chat, greet one another. Make those connections, of course, during the week as well at TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. Encourage one another, edify one another, and build one another up because Satan is walking around seeking whom he can devour, trying to wear down the saints. But we are victorious because we have the word of Yahweh in us. And today we're going to read and teach from that great word. So join with me in Maaseh Shlachim, the Acts of the Apostles. We're in the 23rd chapter today. And looking intently at the council, Shaul said, Brothers, I've lived my whole life before Elohim in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest, the Kohen Haggadal, Ananias, commanded those who stood by him to strike him in the mouth. Then Shaul said to him, Elohim is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the Torah? Yet contrary to the Torah, you order me to be struck. For justice to be administered, it must be administered justly. But here, of course, we have corruption at the highest levels of the judiciary. What do you do when you encounter such things? Possibly at a local level. Certainly at a national level. What about at a global level? We just had the G7 summit there in Cornwall, England. And do you think that that was justice being administered justly? What about just north of our border here in Canada and some of the things that are going on with pastors that want to hold church? What's happening to them? They're being drugged from their cars on the freeways and arrested. What's happening in this world today where we see that justice is being swayed by the mob and by mob rule. Here in this 23rd chapter, we deal with Shaul's imprisonment in Jerusalem. What can we take away as we go into this 23rd chapter? This is what I believe we can take away. Is that Yahweh is communicating to us through his word how to navigate injustice. How do we as believers navigate mob rule? How do we as believers walk in a society that has become degraded as such? Was Paul put before magistrates? Did he have to deal with the judiciary? Was he thrown into prison and cast under irons? Well, many of us will also have to navigate such things possibly currently and in the days ahead. But the world does not know and cannot navigate 
this corrupt world because they are a party to it. And they cannot exist outside of it. But Yahuwah has shown us, whether it be through the prophet Daniel, whether it be through specifically the prophet Jeremiah, or here with Paul's life, that yes, hardships will come. When you fall into the hands of man, then expect to be adjudicated by man. And you can choose that option. And you will, of course, get that remedy. But there is another way. There is another way for us to live. And that is to fall into the hands of a merciful Elohim. And that the world is not willing to do because they hate us and they hate him who created them. There is much division around, but here we see that what is that divides us is the risen Savior. That is what has become such an offense to this mob. And that is what has become such an offense to the world today. What happens, brethren, when we face only chaos and factions that function within the realm of controversy and debate in the workplace, at school, on the streets, in the coffee shop, going into Ace Hardware, specifically in your, if you're in Washington? What happens? Well, Paul here, he turns the tables on his inquisitors. That's what he does. You turn the tables on your inquisitors. How does he do it? Because he shifts the debate from him to them. They want to make it all about you, all about me. But you shift the debate from him to them. And what does he use? He uses the arcane points of Jewish theology, specifically the rising from the dead and angelic majesties. And by shifting the focus from him onto the arcane points of law on whether there's angelic majesties, whether that you will rise from the dead, what does he do? He causes a controversy within the legal realm of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because there was already controversy there because their whole law, which was Talmudic, which is Babylonian, was based upon controversy. It existed because of controversy. And he takes himself out of the controversy by turning it upon their own inward problems. Are there angelic majesties? The Pharisees said yes. The Sadducees said no. Can you even rise from the dead? The Pharisees said yes. The Sadducees said no. The Pharisees believed in the Tanakh, the authority of the whole of the scripture, whereas the Sadducees only believed in the authority of the Torah, the first five books. Therefore, they denied the resurrection. They denied angelic majesties. There was this division that already existed. And Paul capitalized 
upon their carnality. There is a way for us to navigate this divided world because they are divided amongst themselves, so therefore their, ha their house will not stand. And mystery Babylon is falling right before your and I's eyes. And if you stay in their controversy, you will go down with them. But Paul removes himself from it and lets them fight amongst themselves using their own laws and arguments to destroy themselves. You're seeing it in this country. You're seeing it in the judiciary. You're seeing it in G7. You're seeing it nationwide, worldwide. This chapter, I believe, will help believers to navigate through this world because we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And if you think that the dollar and um, the interest rates are going to stay there and that there, there isn't going to be inflation, then you are deluded. You're delusional if you can't see the writing on the wall. Because Daniel saw it. I see it. Do you see it? Well, then how do you navigate out of the world? Come out of her, my people. Now is the opportunity for us to do the emphasis here in the 23rd chapter is really the imprisonment of Paul in Jerusalem. But how to navigate controversy? Because in the meantime, as Paul sets the division between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which allows him to step outside as they began arguing amongst themselves, the plot to kill him comes to light. Are there plots? Now, in this world, to kill certain outspoken people that are, have got information on the deep state, that have got information on the judiciary, that have got, is there plot? Oh, abounding, abounding. The emphasis is on Paul's innocent and Jewish guilt. The emphasis is on Paul's innocence and Jewish guilt, a point that will take us through the rest of the book of Acts. Now, accusations kill. Accusations kill. Initially, of course, they're intended to kill the accused, but ultimately they ensnare and kill the accusers because the origin of accusations stem with the father of lies. The Greek word, kategoros, Greek strong number 2725. It comes, of course, from the Hebrew word, Hebrew strong number 7379, Raib, spelt resh, yod, bet, the accuser of the brethren, Satan. You see, Satan, the accuser, if you look up that word that I've just given you the description for, whether it be in the Greek or whether it be in the Hebrew, the descriptor for it, Satan, is a complainant, a complainant, excuse me, Satan, listen. Satan is a complainant at law. What did I just say? 
Most of you, that just went right over your head. But any of you that have been involved in a controversy, any of you who have got experience in this realm will know what I just said. S.A. Tan is a complainant at law, not in law. There is a huge difference. And Matthew 4 demonstrates that. If you look up the word attorney, there are attorneys what? At law or in law? What are they when you look on, when you look on the business cards? Are they attorneys in law? No. They are attorneys at law. They attorn for the dead. They speak for the dead. And they attorn at law, meaning near the law, which is the realm that S.A. Tan operated in. In Matthew 4, was he near the Torah? Was he quoting the Torah? He was misquoting. He wasn't in the Torah. He was mismanaging the Torah to try and entrap and ensnare Yahusha. But Yahusha, who is the Kohen Haggadah, the high priest, the righteous judge, who administered justice justly, is in Torah. He's not at Torah, he's in Torah, because he is the living word. You see, S.A. Tan is an attorney at law. One who atones for the dead. He speaks for those who cannot speak for themselves because they are belligerent children. They cannot speak for themselves. That's why they have to hire somebody to speak for them because they are dead. Spiritually, oftentimes, but certainly legally, they're dead. Therefore, they cannot speak for themselves. They have to be re-presented. Whereas you and I are living, we speak for ourselves and we present ourselves alive. A huge difference. Nobody needs to atone for me. I'm not dead. Paul spoke for himself. And in so doing, he falls into the hands of Yahuwah. You allow somebody a turn for you, you die, you're a dead man. You're a fiction, you're an entity, and you cannot exist outside of controversy, which is what this whole world is all about. Satan, of course, is an attorney at law, one who atones for the dead, speaks for those who cannot speak for themselves because they are persons of the dead, the spiritually dead. He demonstrates that in Matthew 4. If you can understand and comprehend what I'm saying right now, Satan is at law, whereas Yahushua mediates for the living. He mediates in law, in Torah. So how should we live today? Should we live at Torah? Or should we live in Torah? You see, the church teaches you to live at Torah. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, you don't want to be murdering. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You don't want to be committing adultery. Well, actually, you know, as long as you get divorced and then you get remarried, then it's not really adultery. So, yeah, you can kind of do that. And, yeah, you definitely should be, you know, resting and, you know, having a bacon butty on Sunday and not going to work. You should be going to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. But, no, you don't need to actually keep the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath. Are they at law or in Torah? There's a difference, you see. And there's the realm of controversy. And that's why there's so much controversy within the church and so many denominations because of the controversy of being at law rather than in. Because if you are in the Torah, you're a living man and woman, and you have the living word within you. If you're at law, you are living what? In a fiction realm of religion. All that to say this. Satan is an attorney at law, meaning he's near the law. He quoted it. In Matthew 4, did he not? But he misused it and misappropriated it for trickery and for evil. He was conspiring against Yahushua, was he not? He was conspiring against Yahushua. He was using Torah, the law, inappropriately. It was a conspiracy. This is akin today's, to today's statutory commercial laws. Everything out there that you deal with, unless you, unless you damaged a person, you damaged property, or you broke a contract, it's all commercial, which means it's statutory, which means it's been in existence since 1933. It's at law, it's commercial. You contracted for it, most of you. And therefore, you get pulled into the statutory. It's absolutely amazing when you have the eyes to see. It is Satan's realm of which they were trying to pull, 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 pull into. It was commercial in nature. Don't think the Sadducees and the Pharisees weren't in commerce. They were in major commerce. It was commercial. And if it's commercial, it's upon the seas of admiralty. It's admiralty and maritime in nature, which brings us to Babylon the Great is falling right before our eyes, brethren. The scripture is alive. The habitation of devils. The Greek word there is Damion. It's from the Greek word dio, which means those, listen, those who distribute fortunes. Is Mystery Babylon right now distributing fortunes in stimulus money? Do you know what another word for stimulus is? You can look it up just in, on, in, your, in your theosaurus. A shot in the arm. Look it up. You've got your theosaurus right there. A shot in the arm in the theosaurus. The Hebrew word for stimulus 
is a mem lamed mem dalet. Malmad means stimulus in the Hebrew. Malmad, it means to be goaded into a pen. You mean they're giving you a shot in the arm and goading you into the pen. People are literally right now, this is insanity to me. They are being goaded into a pen with mystery Babylon stimulus money to get a shot in the arm. There's a bloody lottery here in Oregon. Taking taxpayers' money. That If you go and get an injection, a shot in the arm, you'll get money. You know what? For the really smart people out there, they'll give you a burger and fries if you go and do it. I was traveling down the freeway the other day, and you know those signs by the Oregon Department of Transportation? That if you look up the law for them, they are only to be used for transportation, and they can be used for emergencies. That's the law. Look it up. Look it up, up under the statute. They can be used for emergencies. Traffic emergencies. Anything to do with roads. It is illegal, according to statute, to put, get your shot, Oregon, on a road traffic. They, they did it in California. Until one smart Christian attorney down there challenged California and now they've taken it off because it's illegal. Because they're at law. If you and I did that, we'd be arrested for messing around with government property. But it's okay for them to do that. You see, this is a totally immoral society. I think it's a great idea to have those signs on the freeway. Because I would like to know when there's an emergency accident that I can avoid the congestion. That is what the statute says they're for. They are not there for some insane bureaucrat to put propaganda. Mind you, I did see in another state where some smart person had hacked them and it said, COVID is a hoax flashing up. The, the vaccine kills flashing up on it. So some people, I think, are pulling over and, 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 and keying in with their computers and hacking them. So, you know, if you use them illegally, don't expect that other people may do illegal things too. I'm on a tangent. Where was I? All I'm talking about right here Excuse me, it's been a very, very, very interesting week. Babylon the Great is falling right before our very eyes. And right now we are seeing stimulus fortunes being distributed. If you look up that word in your theosaurus, it'll say a shot in the arm to stimulus, a shot in the arm another word for stimulus. The Hebrew word for stimulus, malmud, mem lamed, mem dalet, to be goaded into a pen. What I was saying is people right now are so in with mystery Babylon. 
that they are being goaded into a pen with mystery Babylon stimulus money to get a shot in the arm. Who would have ever thought we'd live in a society that is circling mystery Babylon's drain? But everything is going to be fine. It's going to be just great. Everything's going to go back to normal. Is she the hold, mystery Babylon, of every foul spirit and a prison for the unclean and the hateful? For all nations have drunk of her commerce. Like I said at the opening, the G7 just met in Cornwall. What a group of fornicating merchants who waxed rich through the abundance of her commercial trades and her commercial laws. We just saw that. It's evident. Do I really believe that Mystery Babylon is falling right now? I do. I do. I believe that we are in that time. So therefore, I must come out of her, my people, that I be not a partaker of her sins and that I not receive her viruses. That's what it says. Look it up in your translation. Some say plagues. It's a virus. It's been manufactured by Mystery Babylon. A year ago, if you said that, that was a conspiracy theorist. But now it's okay to check into it because you've got a new alleged president. So now it's okay. But a year ago, oh, no, you could, oh, that was a conspiracy. You see, you see how corrupt this is? Or there's no equal weights and measures anymore. The difference between at law and in law is are you alive or are you dead? Are you walking with Satan or are you walking with him who mediates in Torah, Yahusha? And I think we'll see this more and more in the, in, the, in the year to come. Paul navigated through this. Why would, why would Yahuwah include so much of Paul going through trials, imprisonment, judiciary, governors, Roman legions? Why? if it's got nothing to pertain to our life. I believe that it does. And I don't believe it's just some historical story. I believe that Yahuwah has it in there for some of us to be able to go through this because we will be able to navigate through this world where the world will just succumb to it. They will just succumb to it. Did it do that guy any good yesterday, having an attorney? Did it do him any good whatsoever? He got 22 years. Whether you think that's right or wrong, that's not for me to comment on. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I don't know. But that, that, that's not a very good result for what money, if he did pay. I don't know if it was a, a state appointed or whatnot. But he didn't speak for himself. I'd be pretty disappointed in that result, wouldn't you? Yahusha mediates in Torah. That's called equity, and most people can't cognize it. Righteous judgment for the living. Proverbs 18, it says this in the 16th verse. A man's gift maketh room for him. Think about that. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Our gift is to come in honor. That's equity and peace. 
And we may make mistakes along the way because it's a steep learning curve. But you can always correct those mistakes and then guess. Guess what? You get to be brought before great men and great women. Look at the 17th verse. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. Proverbs 18 verse 17. Meaning accusers always come in their own cause, which of course seems just at first glance. But look at the 18th verse. The lot causeth contentions to cease and parteth between the mighty. What does that mean? There's a process that believers are called to walk and by walking that way, it causes contentions to cease. We must judge ourselves, brethren. It doesn't matter if people judge you. People will judge you all day long. They will judge you right or judge you wrong. Try judge you evil. Try judge you good. If they can even sense even a hint that you'll be a, that you're a believer, you'll be judged wrong. You'll be judged evil. Because this world hates Yahushua. They hate him. And they hate any of his disciples. But we judge ourselves and we allow our accusers to walk their path with Satan to the magistrate. As long as we make an effort to settle the matter, we can stay in the hand of Yahuwah and not fall into the hand of man. Is it better to fall into the hand of man or better to fall into the hand of Yahuwah? Men are unmerciful. Yahuwah is merciful. He is just. He is good and he is faithful. If we enter into Satan's realm of arguments and controversy, we will be drugged to the Sanhedrin or we'll be handed over to the Romans and the Romans will put us into tension just like they did Paul in Caesarea. And if that happens, then what does Yahushua tell us? That we will not get out until we have paid the last penny. Do you want that? No. Brethren, there truly is nothing new under the sun. Luke 12, verse 57. I believe Acts 23 can be read and be used as a parable for us to navigate today. Because it surely is helping me. It's tremendous. And I believe that though Paul was going through hard times, though he was pressed, though he had... It was part of his life. I've navigated so much in the past two years that I would not want it upon anybody. But in all honesty, in all honesty, have I become a better person for it? Oh, for sure and for certain. Has my business become more successful because of it? For sure and for certain. Has my family grown? Yes. It does not look like that. 
And it does not appear like that. And there are, I vacillate between faith and fear, faith and, but the journey of faith through it all. I have got to meet amazing people. I've got to hire new employees that are phenomenal in character, in fortitude, in what they deliver that I would never have had if I hadn't gone through what I've gone through. I would never have had the opportunity. It has been trying and tremendous. When you have the faith of the saints, I see this before me now. And I wouldn't want it upon anybody because it is a hard road. But if your life is easy right now, if it is easy, you're not doing something right because it's not supposed to be. How can it be in a world where mystery Babylon is falling? In the 19th verse of Proverbs, the 18th chapter, it tells you, some of you are trying to beat your head up against a brick wall with your family, with people that you want to be friends with. Because you really want them to understand your faith. You really want them to come into, the, in, in, into the, the family of faith. Or you really would just like to, you know, settle the whole thing. Well, there is a way to do it and there is a way not to do it. Because a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a fortress. What does that mean? You will never, listen, you will never, ever be able to win over an accuser. Because accusers walk with Satan. And they end up in a prison of their own making, in a fortress of accusations. You will never be able to win over an accuser. Their contentions imprison them. They will never get the remedy that they seek because Satan has no power to bring remedy. And he is the one who brings forth accusations. He motivates you to accuse people. Don't accuse people of stuff. Just don't do it. Because the moment that you do, you enter controversy and you're walking with the devil. That is not the way that we are to live. And if people accuse you, then let them accuse you. You do not need to defend yourself to lies and accusations. I refuse to do it. I refuse to do it. And I don't care. I will not justify wickedness. And I will not justify the adversary. I will not enter into that realm. And some people say, oh, Matthew, you should do this. You should. You know what? Maybe that's for you. But I'd rather walk the walk of Paul. Regardless than enter into this realm. Because as I'm walking the walk that I've been called to, my soul is being cleansed 
by the blood of the Lamb daily, and I'm learning more of his ways. Or you can pollute and corrupt your souls by arguing, by accusing, by fighting, and all of those things do no good. Now, of course, I'm preaching this, but am I living this? Well, my wife, who's most probably watching, is as I communicate this each and every day and I share my experience, she's like, well, I'm really excited to see this manifest at home. And I'm like, well, yes, yes. And then the other day, you know, I started to, to have a certain tone with my wife and she said, you're arguing. I was like, oh, I am, I am. Right? So I need help too. Because you have to practice these things as they become revelation for you. And of course you're going to be tested. Of course you're going to be tested. You will never win over an accuser. Because they walk with Satan and Satan can bring them no remedy. Could Paul win over his accusers? Could he? And was he eloquent in speech? Was he a Pharisee? Of, and he couldn't even win over the Pharisees. The best he could do was get the Pharisees and the Sadducees to enter into a controversy together so that they were distracted from him and he was dismissed. That's the best that you and I can do. Get it dismissed and have them enter into the realm of controversy together. Because it's an accusational-based system. Because it's mystery Babylon, it is trading in the souls of men. Acts 23, in the fourth verse, those who stood by said, Would you revile Elohim's high priest? And Shaul said, I didn't know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, when Shaul perceived that one of them, one part was Sadducees and the other part Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It was with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. So he made the whole trial about the controversy that divides them. And then he was able to step out and leave them to it. Now, this high priest served, Ananias served from 47 of the common era to 59 of the common era. And he was known in history as having a ferocious temper, an absolutely ferocious temper. He was also known to be very pro-Roman, very pro-Roman. In fact, he was known to be so pro-Roman that the Sicarii, the assassins from last week's chapter we were speaking about, they killed him. They assassinated him. He was assassinated by a sicary, an assassin, in 66 of the common era. But what's Paul doing here? This is really Paul giving him a curse. And many translators miss this. Paul's curse is really a judgment prophecy. I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. 
Most translators say, oh, well, yeah, Paul was, you know, he was apologetic. He didn't real, realize that he was the high priest. And once it became known to him that it was the high priest, he was very apologetic. And then he quoted this um, scripture in um, the book of Exodus. No, that's not what's happening here. You're missing the whole point. This is a judgment prophecy. This is when the final judgment, when Yahweh penalizes sins striking a defendant before they are judged guilty is against the Torah. It's not allowed. It's against the laws of humankind. Equity. Yahuwah strikes in the prophecy. Let me give you the judgment prophecy. Deuteronomy 28 verse 22. Yahuwah will strike you with wasting disease with fever, with inflammation and fiery heat, and with drought and with blight and with mildew, they shall pursue you until you perish. Does this sound at all like a judgment prophecy that's upon the world today? We've got droughts in California. We've got people's hearts blowing up with inflammation, you've got a football player who's 23 years old or 24 running along on the football pitch two weeks after the vaccine, dead. Oh, it's a coincidence. It's a total coincidence. I mean, look at the, of course, the, the, this, they're not going to report the heart inflammation, wasting disease, viruses, and the fiery burning heat pumping through these people's veins in violation of the Nuremberg Code. It's an experimental injection. It's not a vaccine. Because it hasn't gone through the approval process. They did this in the 70s with the swine flu. I think 40,000 people. Many of them became quadriplegics. You had recourse then. You had legal recourse. You could actually hold the manufacturers. Now, no recourse. Nothing. Nothing you can do. Nothing. Psalm 110, verse 5. Yahweh is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations filling them with corpses. He will shatter the chiefs over the wide earth. It's a judgment prophecy. Job 34, verse 26. Yahuwah knows the accuser's works. He overturns them in the night, and they are crushed, meaning they don't get much sleep. He strikes them for their wickedness in a place for all to see. It will become public. You see, Ezekiel was up against these very whitewashed walls, which is what Paul is quoting, the judgment prophecy of Ezekiel 13.10. Precisely because they have misled my people, saying, peace, when there is no... It's going to be okay. We're going to be at the 70% vaccine threshold. There's going to, we're going to lift the mask mandates. We're going to get rid of social distancing. Everything is going to be fabulous. 
Life is back to normal. And then what's going to Oh, my goodness. It's full. There's a new Indian strain variant come in. There's a Malaysian. You see, we, we lifted. We lifted all the mandates for you. We let you. We, we let you just come and have crap. And look what happens. See, so now, because now we've got these new strains. Now, we, we see, we let you have your freedom. But now we're going to have to lock you down again. Look at Israel, the most vaccinated nation, and now look at how much sickness there is over there. They've been doing this for thousands of years. It's amazing to me that people allow other people to conspire against them. Willfully. Surrender. <laughs> They're human. Flesh and blood. They came into this world from their mother's womb and they will leave to the dirt. Just like you and me. I don't get how people just kowtow down to this. Oh, well, they're this, or they're, 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 a, they're a governor, or they're this, or that. It's like, hang on a minute. Yes, we respect one another, but we also have to respect humanity and decency and sovereignty over your own being, I would have thought. But no, because here we see this judgment prophecy in the 10th verse of Ezekiel 13. Be precisely because they have misled my people, saying peace when there is no peace. And because when they should build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There shall be a deluge of rain, and you, O hailstorms, will fall. And the stormy wind will break out. And when the wall falls, will it not be said to you, where is the coating with which you smeared it? Therefore, thus says the master Yahweh, I will make a stormy wind break out in my wrath. And there shall be such a deluge of rain in my anger and great hailstones in wrath to make a full end. And I will break down the wall that you have smeared with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare. And when it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it and you shall know that I am Yahuwah. Thus I will spend my wrath upon the wall and upon those who smeared it with whitewash. And I will say to you, the wall is no more nor those who smeared it. You see, the accusers cry for remedy when there is no remedy. So they build cases or walls of accusation. These are flimsy walls covered with whitewash, which collapse in a time of trial. The wall would be about to collapse from rot within the accuser, which has been whitewashed. Oh, so it looks really good. But it's a flimsy wall. It's made up of accusations. 
And it looks really good because within every accusation, there's always a kernel of truth. But it's a whitewashed wall to look real good at first glance. And to those that would like to prejudge you, then it looks gleaningly white. But in a time of trial, it shall collapse. They would whitewash tombs to ensure people saw them. They didn't want them to bump into them. They wanted them to pay attention to the whitewashed tombs. Because otherwise they could inadvertently touch them and become unclean. So therefore, they whitewashed the tombs. Matthew 23, verse 37 explains that clearly. Look, these are images of a defiled person. And this is what Paul is communicating to the high priest. You are a defiled person. Your conscience is headed for judgment. And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Here, Paul, of course, is citing Exodus 22, verse 28. And it is an ironic condemnation. He's really saying, in effect, a true ruler would do no such thing as you have just done to me. Therefore, you cannot be the true high priest. Your priesthood must be nullified just as the priest before you nullified his. Therefore, this is an attestation to the Malkitsedic priesthood that has stood ever since Caiaphas ripped his garment. And now Ananias, by striking the witness to Yahushua, attests to his priesthood being nullified. The Levitical priesthood has been nullified according to the writer of the book of Hebrews and according to the witness of Caiaphas himself. And here Paul brings forth the witness that Ananias, of course, has condemned himself. Caiaphas condemned himself by ripping his garment, annulling the priesthood. You too, Ananias, have condemned yourself, attesting to the nullification of the Levitical priesthood. This was a judgment prophecy. There has been no, think about it, there has been no standing Levitical priesthood since before Yahushua's crucifixion, still to this very day in your very hearing. Do you realize that? And that's where Judaism and the Messianic movement goes awash. They're not recognizing this. Look at the seventh verse of Acts 23. And when he had said this, of course, now when I say this, a dissension will arise between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say, well, there's no resurrection. Nor angel, nor spirit. But some Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose. And some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? So now they're starting to think, the Pharisees, because they believe in angels, they believe in spirits, and they believe in the resurrection, they're like, well, Paul kind of more aligns with our theology. 
And therefore there was a divide amongst them and the Sadducees. And Paul was able to step out of the controversy. He made the controversy about their own law and dogma. Paul realizes there's not going to be an impartial hearing before the Sanhedrin and that everything is stacked against him. So he decides to take action himself and disrupt the proceedings. He now knows what is about to happen. And he turns the Pharisees into his supporters and created locked horns between them and the Sadducees in the Sanhedrin. Sometimes, brethren, you have got to be bold to be effective. And Paul is bold and he is very effective because he understands how to operate within the judiciary. He is from a family of Pharisees. He has a hope in the resurrection of the dead. And that's why he's on trial. Immediately, the Pharisees and the Sadducees descend into the realm of arguments and controversy, which does what? It ensnares them. And they are ensnared by their own trap. And Paul, what? Escapes their clutches. And they fight among themselves over the facts, law, jurisdiction, and venue. Because that's all they ever fight about. Is the facts, the law, the jurisdiction, and the venue. That's all they're trained to fight about. They cannot think outside of those four things because the whole system is built upon those four things. It always was built upon those four things. Did Yahushua ever show me anywhere in the Bible, I challenge you, where Yahushua argued the facts, the Torah, the jurisdiction, or the venue. And if anyone had the right to do it, he did. He was the living Torah. Did he have the right to argue the Torah? Yes, but did he? No. He was the king of the Jews. Did he have the right to argue the jurisdiction? The Romans weren't supposed to be there. They had no real jurisdiction. Did he argue that? No. The venue. Did he ever argue the venue when he was brought in before that abomination called Herod? Who was a whoremonger and an effeminate? He never argued that venue. What about when he was brought in the dark of night? Before Caiaphas, did he argue that venue? No. What about when he was brought to the Praetorium under Pilate? Did he argue that venue? No. Did he ever argue the facts? No. And he had the right to do it. And you and I, we have the right to as well. And if you do, then you're ensnared by your own words. I'm a living witness to this. I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. But Yahuwah is our Redeemer. He is our salvation through His Son, Yahushua. And in Yahushua, we will be delivered from the hands of the wicked. If we repent of our sins... 
and we walk in the ways of the master. Paul knew this. He sees this. He's put in the midst of trials. He's put in the midst of tribulation. He faces jail, prison. He faces all kinds of death. And he removes himself from the controversy and lets them argue between themselves. And they're arguing over the facts. They're arguing over the Torah. They're arguing over the venue. They're arguing over the jurisdiction. And that is what they have been brought up to do. Because that is the realm of Satan. Because Satan is at Torah. He is not in Torah. The Sadducees were at Torah. They were not in Torah. The Pharisees were at Torah. They were not in Torah. And everything that you've seen in 2020, it has been at law. It hasn't actually been law. Because none of this stuff, none of these mandates, none of these executive orders, none of them pass through the legislative assembly. Therefore, there are three separate and distinct areas and you have to see that. I was with an official this week. And he was giving me all this. I said, all right, I hear what you're saying. And I am not here to argue. I said, but I would like for you to show me the administrative rule or the revised statute where you are getting this information to make the decision that you're making. Oh. Oh, I don't know. I said, well, I, I need you to find out because I need to go back and report to my people on what rule or what statute you're using for this decision so that we can make the proper adjustments so that we can do what we need to do. On the phone, well, comes back 20 minutes later. Well, yeah, I was on the phone to our legal department and uh, um, they said, yeah, we can't accept it. I said, okay. And what, what rule or statute was that? Well, they didn't say it. They didn't say? Well, no. I said, well, again, you say, I'm not, not, not trying to argue with you. I said, but I do need to know what rule. It's going to either be an Oregon administrative rule or it's going to be an Oregon revised statute that you're using to make this decision. Oh, okay. Off. 20 minutes later, brings me back a piece of paper, one pager, it's from the Oregon Bar Association. And I'm like, well, what's this? Well, that, that's the rule. I said, this is like taking a page out of a storybook and handing it to me. What do you mean? I said, this isn't a rule. This isn't a statute. This is a commentary for attorneys that are barred. So you have no rule and no statute. I'm just trying to comprehend of why you're making your decision. Because this, this is a narrative. And it's not even dealing with what we're dealing with here. This is the realm of what Paul was dealing with. Bureaucracy. People that have remained unchallenged for far too long that don't even know 
on what authority that they're operating. I'm all about the Torah and I am all about following the law honorably. But I'm not for somebody saying one thing and not being able to direct me to where I can look it up and do my due diligence for myself. Because if you direct me to a statute, you direct me to an ordinance, I can at least read it for myself and I can navigate it. It's not that difficult. You just have to read. It's not brain science. But most people are just used to palming people. Oh, okay, yes, you won't accept it. Okay, I accept that you said that, even though you've got no... Paul challenged them. And then he was released from their captivity. This is an amazing scriptural challenge for all of us. I believe in a world where if you don't stand the way Paul stood, you will literally be just sucked in to mystery Babylon by the stimulus, by all the you know, burgers and fries that they'll offer you. Because you know, you'll be able, if you do this, then you can go to Hawaii. If you do this, then guess what? You can go on holiday to Europe. And if you do this, you can, you know, and that's all that it's going to be trading. Maritime, trading for your soul. And you'll lose sight. It's horse trading. He was from a family of families, of Pharisees. But he left the controversy to the Sadducees and the, Sa and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he escaped. We'll finish up here in the 10th verse. And when the dissension became violent, this is nothing, of course, to do with today. Because there's no dissension in our country that turns violent. Is there? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, the magistrate, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, Yahushua stood by him and said, Take courage, for you has testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Well, hang on a minute. What have you got there? Testify to the facts? Well, you just went, spent all this time talking about facts, law, jurisdiction, and fa what's going on here? Ah, translation. Look at the Hebrew word here for testify. It's the Hebrew word od, spelt ein vav dalit. Now, the pictograph of this, the ayin, of course, is a picture of the eye, and the dalit is a picture of the door. Combined, these mean see the door. See the door. As in coming into a tent. Where was justice, justice administered in the Torah? At the tent of meeting. You would come into the door of the tent of meeting and there you would receive equity. Meaning, as believers, we are not to go into the, realm, the Roman realm of testifying. We're to go into the Torah 
We're not to be at law, which is testifying. We're to be in the Torah, which is to ode, ayin vav dalet, meaning we go to the tent of meeting, we stand at the tent of meeting, because that's Yahuwah's door, not the door of mystery Babylon. We're to speak, not have somebody a turn for us. Because then we'll fall into the hands of Yahuwah, not fall into the hands of man. It really depends what you want to fall into. And will you get scratched and scuffed and maybe lose some skin along the way? There's always going to be something to pay because we've all fallen short of the glory of Yahuwah and you reap what you sow. So yes, you may lose a little skin along the way, but ultimately falling into the hands of Yahuwah is the place to fall. Verse 12, And when it was day, the Jews made a plot, a conspiracy. And they bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Shaul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. And they went to the chief priests and the elders and said, we have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed this Shaul. Now, therefore, you, along with the council, give notice to the magistrate to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready. We are so ready to kill him before he comes near. Now, the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush their conspiracy. So he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. I mean, do we live in such a time where a large segment of the population have strictly bound themselves by swearing to kill and destroy? Do we? Or am I just imagining things? I mean, is there a large segment of our population that is ready to kill, ambush and enter into people's private property? I mean, just look at the piss pot of Portland, Oregon, with a 1,900% increase in homicide last year. Did he just say that number? That's you. Yes, 1,900% increase in homicide last year. A large segment of low-life society have strictly bound themselves by swearing to kill and destroy, ready to kill, ready to ambush, ready to enter, whether it be public or private property, and destroy it. And all the while, the eunuch, the eunuch who is the mayor up there, because eunuchs are always installed by Babylon, right? And eunuchs were installed law. They were near the law. Nebuchadnezzar had a bunch of eunuchs installed near him, but he was the one who was in the rulership and made the laws and had the writings and the decrees. And the eunuchs were always nearby at law. We have got a eunuch at law that has brought forth a 19,000% increase in homicides. Why? 
because this is mystery Babylon falling. He had 50 police officers that said, yeah, we're done. They quit. Of course, eunuchs don't have the stones to do anything to stop killing, ambush, and conspiracy, which is why they're called eunuchs. So there it is. Acts 23, verse 17. Isn't it amazing how I can take the scripture sometimes and just bring it into the most carnal nature? Sorry, people, but you know, the word is real and alive, and it permeates every aspect of my life, even the coffee shop. That's just the way I'm wired. Love it or hate it, I hope you love it, because the word is supernatural and spiritual, but it does apply to the world in which we live today, because I'm telling you what, as Paul was facing the Sanhedrin, as he was facing the Pharisees, as he had a, what, 470 Romans? I think it was like half the Romans that were housed in Jerusalem. Think about this. I think it was 470. Half the Roman garrison was called to escort him from Jerusalem to Caesarea because it was such may. Do you think he was feeling super spiritual at that time? I bet you he was not. There was fear and trembling, dust being kicked up in his face. He was in shackles under irons. There were people plotting to kill him. We can so hyper-spiritualize everything, but these are literally roadmaps for us to live in success as Yahuwah's children to have the faith. And some of us are in the front lines. Paul called one of the centurions, verse 17, and said, Take this young man to the magistrate, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Shaul, the prisoner, called me and asked me to bring this young man to you as he has something to say to you. And the tribune took him by hand and going aside, asked him privately, Hmm, well, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, well, you see, the Yahudim, the Jews, have agreed to ask you to bring Shaul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by these little wicked demons. Because there is a conspiracy afoot. There really is a conspiracy theory out there. For more than 40 of these Antifa tarts, these communists, that have infiltrated all around are lying in ambush for him. Who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready waiting for your consent. So the tribune, the magistrate, dismissed the young man charging him. Tell no one. Tell no one. It was a private meeting with a man of authority and honor. Tell no one that you have informed me of these things. What if you're charged to meet somebody in a very high and powerful position? What if you're charged to reveal information that witnesses to plots, to conspiracies, 
to oaths, to falsehoods, to prejudice. Will you do it? Will I do it? Will we find the magistrate, the tribune, dismissing the young man, charging him, tell no one that you have formed me of these things? I see the living word in my life every single day. And it's tough. But I tell you what, I have assurances and a hope for all of us as believers who are pressing in right now to our future. If we heed the call to come out of her, my people, and prepare for the kingdom that is at hand, because there is a bountiful harvest of souls about to come in. Mystery Babylon is falling, and we do not want to fall into the hands of the mob like Paul did, because no matter how eloquent you are, you cannot win over an offended person because their contentions are like the bars of a fortress that have imprisoned them for the duration of their life. They end up very sad and miserable people. And you don't want to be a party to such mobs as that. And most of these mobs are wounded, hurt, miserable people with broken lives, broken paths of destruction, immorality and wickedness behind them. And they have imprisoned themselves within a fortress of accusations, lies and hatred. You can't contend with that. There's no point going to demonstrate against such behavior. Don't be a party to it. I won't go to any demonstrations. I won't because I don't believe that's in the Torah. In fact, the Torah says, do not put your hand to a mob. I will not be a part of a mob. Paul moved on as we should move on. And leave the mob to the mob because they're all circling the drain of mystery Babylon. I think this is a powerful chapter. What saith you, brethren? Give me a red line. My computer ran out of battery, so I'm going to do it from my phone. See if I can navigate that. I think it most probably be easier. Oh, yes, it is. Look, it's right there. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's see what you guys have to say here. Let's get rid of the adverts. This is from Connie Smith Mendez. Shabbat Shalom, Connie. She says, Lie, Live the Torah and no persecution is a sign you are doing his will. Praise Yahuwah. Praise Yahuwah. Karen Long. Shabbat Shalom, Karen. And he never was accusatory to Judas. No, he wasn't. Instead, he gave him the cup 
washed his feet and dried them and told him to do quickly what he must do. Exactly. I would rather live in shalom than enter into arguments and controversy in trying to defend myself. Because that's a whole realm of, ugh. It's just, it's just a, a fortress, a fortress of which a person becomes imprisoned. My prepper shop. Oh, do you have prepper stuff? I'm, I, some of you are typing. I don't know. Let me see if I can actually... Um, oh, where did you go? Oh, I lost you. Sorry, my prepper. Where did you go, my prepper? Ah, oh, I lost you, my prepper. I was about to read what you said, but now you're my screen. Oh, there you are. I live Torah to the I live Torah to the tribes, but do not like the people here coming against the Sefer. You will stand in judgment for every idle word for coming against my Torah keeping brother, Dr. Pigeon speaking. Huh. Oh, I don't know about that. You know, um, all I would say is read the King James Version. I had the Sefer. And I think it just takes the King James Version from the way I was reading it um, and then just adds the name in. So it's not really a new translation, okay, um, from my understanding. And, you know, it's been many, many years since I looked at it. I have many, many Bibles, as I know so many of you do. And I think there's some really good ones out there. Um, and my favorite, of course, is the Restoration True Name Edition Scriptures. Um, and, of course, I, the one from The Scriptures from South Africa. I really like that, too. And then what's the one that we like, Aaron, for the Aramaic? That's the Net Bible with all of the translation notes, 57,000. And that's very good Aramaic-based. If you're into the Aramaic-based, that's the better one. Of, there's another Aramaic one by Andrew Gabriel Roth, which I don't think is as good um, as the Net Bible with the translation. Um, there's just so much in that. And then the Brenton Septuagint. So all I would say is there's a lot better options out there that aren't King Jimmy or Masoretic text base because it's very easy to take the Masoretic text and then insert the yod Hey wah Hey, but that doesn't make it a brand new translation as far as your learning and scholarly as far as I would say that's my opinion and I'm not going to enter into the controversy but I do have an opinion so there you go my prepper shop oh not me Matthew well thank you my prepper shop I thought maybe I had said something that had offended thee okay it's not me it's oh diesel grandpa are you offending people Thank you, anyway. So, yeah, everybody, everybody's got different... I mean, I've got, the new, I've got the new King James here, okay? I know it's not perfect, but I tell you what, it's got hundreds, maybe thousands of pencil notes in over 25 years that I know where I've corrected it based upon why and what. So, you know. Ah, oh, here's a scripture from Equinox Walker. Second Timothy 2.4 No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. 
Praise our true living Elohim and Yahusha Hamashiach. I'll give you an amen to that. Oh, and here's this girl, this girl from the hot desert of Dufa, Oregon. Miss Hannah Niebling, I bet you are humid up there today, aren't you? You're going to be sweating like goodness knows what tomorrow, you Nieblings. Shabbat Shalom. Oh, it's Kevin. It's Kevin pretending um, to be his wife. I don't know. Is that in Torah? Can you do such a thing as that? I think there's something in Torah against that. Earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints, snatch some out of the fire with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. We were up in Dufa last year, Moshe, weren't we, when we went and visited Kevin? And it was smoking hot, wasn't it? The humidity. I'm thinking it must come off of the Columbia. And then it must just get trapped there. Because, wow, I mean, it's going to be hot here tomorrow. It's hot here today. But it's not humid. All right. Let's have a look here. What's your thought, Hannah Niebling, which is really Kevin Niebling in disguise? Watch, well, they are Basarechad, one flesh. So I'll let it go, okay? I'll let it go. What's your thought? Agree with your adversary quickly. Yes. Yes. Now, like I said, I'm a lot further down the road than many of you on a lot of things. And did I do some of the... No. Not at first. I went, well, that's not right. This is falsehood. This is, you know, and, and, and now I see the error of my ways. So you can correct that. But it's always better to go with the scripture instead of your own stubbornness. So, yeah, you repent and then you agree with your adversary. Going along the way. The prepper shop. I agree with you. The King James Version is a bad translation. The Sefer ain't perfect, but it brought me into my star is all of Torah and his name. Thanks for being nice. Appreciate it. Well, exactly. Well, it did a great thing for you. Praise be. You know what? And I love the King James Version. I love it. I love the Vidado Dai Tithers. And I love it for recording all of my family events. And my whole family, we read the King Jimmy every single night. And I think it is the best Bible to teach your children to read. Because if you can master the King James language, then you can master the English language. Why do I do that? Why do I do that? Why can't I just... Talk monotone and flat. Why do I always do that? What the heck is wrong with me? Why is it that I always fire myself up over everything? And then my wife says, I come home and she's like, well, you are, you do intimidate people and you're so confident. I'm like, I'm not. Like, well, you do, you come across that way and you come. I'm like, I don't because I'm in my, I'm in, I know me. I know my fears, my doubts and all of this. She's like, well, you don't portray that. I'm like, I don't. Man. Tony Sexton, Shabbat Shalom, Tony. The Basora of Yahusha Nazarene version. I don't know if I've got that one. Send it to me. 
We are, of course, you're humid there in Louisiana, but we don't wrinkle. I know you are young and youthful and beautiful. That's right, down there in Louisiana, you don't wrinkle. But if you're, if you're somewhere dry, watch out up there in Dufa. You've got to rub yourself with olive oil, otherwise you'll get all wrinkly. Ah, Chris De La Rosa says, Florida is a swamp. Been almost two weeks of rain. And Linda George, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. I love Paul beating S.A. Tan at his own game. What an eye-opening teaching. Thank you, Brother Matthew. Shalom. Blessings. Thank you, Linda. And thank you for your letter this week. I look forward so much to going to the mailbox. Praise Yahuwah. And Alicia Bella Milroy got deleted, so obviously that wasn't good. Um, oh, we have Chris. Christiho Jody Dios from Colombia. Well, welcome from Colombia. Welcome from Colombia. How's things in Colombia? Is it good? Ah, oh, great question, Summer. Summer the Penguin. Shabbat Shalom, some of the penguin. Um, is following Torah equal to leaving Mystery Babylon? Should we stay in the U.S., stay in safer U.S. cities, or move to rural U.S.? Do we move to Jerusalem? What options are in Torah? Well, I think the main thing, um, the first thing is, yes, you want to be obviously born again, a follower of Yahushua. You want to be in the Torah and rightly divide the Torah, being under the Malkizedic priesthood, following the book of the commandment. And then you want to examine how you're actually contracting with the world. Okay? Birth certificates, social security numbers, driver's licenses, all of these things. What do they do? What are the consequences of these contracts? They all have consequences and they tie you into it. So is there a better way to live? Well, maybe some of us haven't learned till later. But what happens if you have children? Would you do things differently? When you go and get married, will you, would you go and ask for approval from the state and then have a third party in, your, in, in, in that contract? Or is there a better way to do it, a Torah way to do it? Uh, there is a Torah way to make covenants and contracts. I I'm no longer going to be contracting with Mystery Babylon. And I'm severing all of those ties. But that's for me and my house. And have I made contract? Yeah, I've been contracting my whole life. My mother contracted me from the birth certificate. Then I came over here and recontracted. And there's been huge consequences to that. Some very, very good. Some very, very bad. And some should only be for a season. But I have children now, and I don't necessarily want them to be in the contracts that I'm in. So again, this is a commercial realm. It's admiralty and maritime in nature because it's mystery Babylon. So we need to examine the contracts. That's the first thing that we can do when we start to exit mystery Babylon, because they're trying to tie you into everything through contract benefits and privileges benefits and privileges which come penalties 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 and they're just going to show you the benefits and the privileges right now but once you take them 
then you also get the penalties which will come down the road. Okay? So those are things that, in my opinion, we should be looking at. All right, what else we got here? Oh, Teela Wilson with a red crayon. I don't know if the red lining isn't showing up on my phone, but I did get a red crayon. We've been learning about the Malkitzedic Covenant the past couple of months, and it has been very eye-opening. We cannot unsee it now. When I shared about it online, there was instant slander arose. So then that shows you the heart of the people, doesn't it? And it shows you the controversy. And therefore, you shake off the dust of your feet and you go, oh, right now, in our life, if the person that you're standing next to, you wouldn't want them in a foxhole with you, then you most probably shouldn't be around them. It's all about the content of a person's character. How about that, to quote Martin Luther King? Of course, nobody believes anything about the words of Martin Luther King anymore. It's all about what? Outward appearance. No, that's not what Martin Luther King said. He said the content of your character. Unbelievable. And that wasn't very long ago, but we don't want to remember that history, do we? Because there's a mob up in Portland that the eunuch's running. Good grief. Don't get me going. <laughs> Tracy R., she says, let's have a conversation soon about, soon, blah, 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 about what it may look like to leave Babylon. Yes, that would be a great conversation. Mm. We were born for such a time as this. We were born for such a time as this. That is for sure and for certain. Oh yeah, here's a great question from Sweet and Salty. Do you think the hour of Babylon's destruction is literally an hour or a process? I think it's both. It is a process. And we are seeing the process unfold now. But literally, will it be an hour? Oh yes. The stock market opens 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, boom. By 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, it'll be done. When will that happen? I don't know. Can it continue the way it is without major market manipulation? Major manipulation. Show me an economy in the history of the world that has lasted more than 400 years. Show me. We're at the end of ours. And they're trying to keep the interest rates down. So the bread costs the same amount. But you go and you see and there's like 10 slices missing. Rice costs the same amount, but a third of the packet's gone. Right? And let's all go out for dinner. And then you go to the restaurant, and the prices are the same. And all of a sudden, you're like, Blimey heck. What are we, in France here? What happened to my portion? 
I mean, I, I agree we should, you know, all be watching our weight and there should be portion control. But, you know, I want that to be my decision, okay? I don't want that to be um, the market's decision. So, oh, what folly, what fun to be in the word of Yahweh. It's folly when I go off track, so excuse me for not being perfect. But you know what? We are in the word together and you're still here. Praise Yahuwah for that. So it's very appropriate right now to subscribe to the channel, wouldn't you say? To hit the notification bell so that you know when we're going live next. And give us some thumbs up, please. And the three wicked demons that always watch, now's the time for you to give us the thumb down. Because there's always three of you. I know who one of you is. But that's okay. The remedy's soon coming. Praise Yahuwah that he is faithful and that I'm his son. And that you, little wicked demons out there, need to repent or move to another channel. Something occult or something other like that. But in the meantime, the rest of you lovelies out there that follow Yahuwah, that live in the Torah and have had conversion and a circumcision of heart, Yahuwah bless you and keep you. May Yahuwah's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahuwah's countenance shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may Yahusha grant you his shalom. I lost my train of thought there, but you know what I'm saying. And the rest of you wicked demons, well, you can burn in hell. Shabbat shalom. Shalom. <laughs>